Welcome to the Metropolitan UMC Podcast. We're located at 3385 Metropolitan Church Road in Indian Head, Maryland, and under the leadership of Reverend Daryl K. Mason Sr. And now today's podcast. Our choir, let's have a hand for our choir and our musician. God bless you. It's always good to be on a, a winning team, and if you if you're not on the winning team, you can just be like Brother Aaron and just wear both teams on uh, <laughs> Dallas and Redskins paraphernalia. That way you won't, uh, you won't miss out. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. God bless you. So as we get into God's word, I just want to recap a portion of the scripture. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the, uh, but the righteous person will live by his, say it with me, faithfulness. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless your name. And dear Father, for just a moment, we ask that you would open our minds and open our hearts and open our spirits to receive your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and speak to me and speak us, speak to us today. This church called Metropolitan, Lord. Lord, we love you and Lord, we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. And today I want to come from the message of, can you see... What I see? Can you see what I see? The year was 1984, and in the southeastern district of Virginia, the I.C. Norcom Greyhounds and the Wilson Presidents were playing for the city title. The winner of the title would go on to regionals and then state, but the Greyhounds and the Wilson presidents were arch rivals. They were from different parts of town. They were from different backgrounds, different economic divisions. And during the game, it was back and forth. First, the Greyhounds were ahead. Then the Wilson presidents were ahead. And then the Greyhounds were up again. But the Greyhound players were complaining because the Wilson presidents, they were cheating. When, they was a, when there was a tackle, they would, everyone would get in the pile and the Wilson presidents players would begin to punch the Norcom players. They were cheating. There was also word that they had the referees in their back pocket. Every time a penalty would be against the Greyhounds, the referees would pretend like they didn't see it. Much like we see things in government today. We kind of wonder what's going on. Do they not see what's happening? Do we not see that there is corruption going on in our government? But officials continue to turn their eye. Well, let me get back to my story. And so as they begin, it came down to the fourth quarter. The Greyhounds were down by one touchdown. And as they pushed their way towards the goal line, they were about to score. But there was a problem. The Wilson presidents had 
a player on their team. He was a triple threat. He played on offense. He played on defense. His name was Juan Jackson. Juan Jackson was the baddest thing in, in the football uniform. He scored three touchdowns on him that night, and he also got two interceptions. He was completely unstoppable. But as they were going back to the huddle, one of the offensive tackles went and spoke to the quarterback. He said, can you see what I see? They looked off into the distance. Juan Jackson played strong safety. He was the fastest person on the field, and they put him in strong safety because he could stop any passes that would come. But they looked at Juan Jackson, and after that last play, he was injured. He began limping back to his position. And the quarterback knew, this is my opportunity. This is our opportunity to score. The Israelites were in a similar position. They were complaining to God, just like the Greyhounds were complaining to their coach. Look, they're cheating on us. They're hitting us when we're in the pile. They bought out the referees. The referees are not calling our penalties. What's going on? But the coach said, if you just stay faithful, if you just stick it out to the end of the game, you will. You will end. You will win. Sometimes things in life are unfair. The wicked seem to get over and over and over and over again. You don't even want to look at TV no more. You don't even want to see this craziness that is happening in our world. We suffer and we ask God the question, God, do you see what's going on? Surely we've got to ask God that. God, do you see this corruption that's happened? I realize that the people of the earth, I realize that Congress and the Supreme Court can allow this to go on. But God, what are you doing about it? This is the plea that Habakkuk makes to God. He doesn't take it to government. He says, God, what are you doing? Don't you see that all these Kurds are about to get slaughtered? Lord, don't you see that the Hispanic people are still in prison as they're trying to have a better life for themselves? God, what are you going to do about it? But God knows. God knows what's going on. God knows the evil that is happening. And even though it seems like the enemy is going to win, God is here to tell you today, he knows that he will bring you through. Just because we can't see it, God asked the question, can you see what I see? Do you have a God vision today to see what God can see? Israel is complaining because there's the threat of an invasion. And they can see that the people are coming to take them over. But as we look at our text today, it reminds us that we should trust and depend on God for everything we have. We should walk and talk and behave like we know God is going to bring us through and not complain. Amen. The wicked are wrongdoers, but we should not fret, but because of our faith, because of our faith, we know that we can get through. But the question is, 
Do we have the trust and the faith? Do we have it to know that God will bring us through? We can have changed lives. Your life can be changed when you walk and talk like you know God is going to bring you through. You have a new walk. You have a new talk. But it comes with having faith. So I'm going to share with you three things. First, we have to know that we can cry out to God because we know who he is. Second thing is that we can stand on God's promises because we know his promises are true. Let me say that with that makes me happy. We can we can stand. We can stand on God's promises because we know that they're true. And finally, we can exercise our faith because God has it all in control. Point one, we can cry out to God because we know him. Habakkuk says, Lord, how long must I call for help? But you don't listen. Have, have you ever done that with God? Have you ever cried out to him and cried out to him? Lord, I need you to change this situation. Lord, I need you to get me a better job. Lord, I need you to fix my relationship. Lord, I, I need you to do something with this crazy child of mine. Lord, but the... The child is not changing. The relationship is not changing. You're still stuck on that same job. They're denying your applications for other positions. And Lord, what are you doing? Why do you have me here? How long, Lord, must I call for help? And Lord, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Habakkuk says, hey, and we talked about this a couple sentences ago, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. We talked about uh, we talked about this Sunday, how you cannot depend on the law. The law is paralyzed and the law cannot help you. The wicked him in the righteousness and justice is perverted. I talked about how. In that game between the Greyhounds and the presidents, they had the referees paid off. They had everything pushed in their direction. But even though all of that happens, we can still cry out to God. We can cry out to God because when we cry out to God in prayer, when we cry out to God in worship, when we cry out to God to say, Hey, I'm here, Lord. There's craziness going on, but I need you to deliver me. Isaiah 40 and 29 says this. Even when we're tired, even when we are going through issues, Isaiah 40 and 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even though you're going through trials and tribulations, even though you're crying out to God for justice, God will give you power. God will give you everything that you need to get through. And 2 Corinthians 2 and 12, 8 through 10 says this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I might that it might depart from me. See, Paul was talking about this issue that he was dealing with. 
And scripture doesn't say what the issue is, but we know that he prayed to God and he prayed to God and he prayed to God to remove that. But this is what God says. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. As you're crying out to God and you're feeling that he is not answered, just know today that his strength becomes more powerful when you are in your weakness because we have to come out of ourselves. I remember Coast Guard boot camp. I didn't like running. I don't know why in the world I went into the military. <laughs> I was told before I went to boot camp, see, I was worried about swimming. See, y'all Army folks, y'all don't have to worry about swimming. I, I was told, well, you know, maybe depending on what you're doing. I, I, so before I went to boot camp, I began to swim and swim and swim. I wanted to be prepared. But then I got to boot camp and they said, well, you know, you're going to have to run a mile and a half. And I forgot with some crazy time, something army. I know y'all run 10 miles. Army. We just did, had to do a mile and a half. First thing over here, twisting her mouth. Whatever, Pastor. That ain't nothing. I can run a mile and a half in my sleep in under four minutes. I know first lady. But we had to run this distance that I was unprepared for. But I found that once I got to boot camp, we would start running. And I was the I was we were running in formation and I was trying to keep up and I was trying to keep up and I was trying to run and keep up. But I found out that the longer I ran, the stronger I got. The longer I ran, the more I was able to keep up. See, there's this thing that's called your second win. The longer you run, the more you're able to keep up. In life, in our Christian life, we have this second win that's called the Holy Spirit. When you try to run your waist and you feel like you can't make it, there's a second win. And even the Bible tells us, thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is, is, is his characteristic, is, is a mighty and rushing wind. But then the Holy Spirit comes in your life and it sweeps you along the way to help you get to where you have to go. God will give you that second win when it seems like you can't make it. So we can cry out to God because we know him and we know that he will give us our second win. But then we can stand on God's promises because we know they are true. My youngest daughter, Gloria, growing up, and I, I pray that this doesn't get out on the Internet. Um, she is she's my baby girl. And I won't say she's my favorite, but she's my favorite. So, Johnny, we're going to delete this message. Okay, this one's gone. Because I can hear, Dad, what's this stuff about her being? What's wrong? Hello. But she was a daddy's girl. And she knew from a young age she was a daddy's girl. Daddies, y'all got some daddy's girls out here? Okay. And it's different with, uh, so, mamas, y'all got your boys, too. It's the same thing. But she was a daddy's girl. And there was one day where she had gotten into an argument with Daryl Jr. 
They're close in age, so they were always fighting back and forth. Now, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is, parents, you know how you do. You come up on two kids arguing, you're just going to stop it. You don't listen. So I sent her to her room. You need to go there. Get in there and lay down. And as I was leaving the room, I shut the door. That little thing got up out the bed, and she opened the door back up. I like, what is, what is wrong with you? She said, Daddy, little girl was messing with me, and you punished me. That is not right. I had to stop. I had to stop and think, because she was right. But she would not have had that boldness to open that door if she didn't know what her relationship with me was. When you have a close relationship with God, when you walk with God every day, when you when you when you have things, you know, when 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 you get into situations and you know that you can run and cry to God. See, the scripture says that Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself in the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer am I going to give this complaint. So after Habakkuk complains, he stands boldly. God, you're going to have to give me an answer. He wasn't scared because of his relationship with God. We have to take that stand. We have to take that stand. See, we can stand on the promises of God. You see, my daughter knew that I had, I was a good father to her. She knew that I had kept my promises and she knew that all she had to do when the times got tough, she could take a stand, open that door and say, Daddy, something's wrong. I know you closed the door, but you didn't. You, I'm opening the door to say, uh, say, Daddy, is something wrong. We can do that with the Lord. We can take a stand. We can go to him and we can stand on the ramparts and cry out to God and know that he will hear us because he keeps his promises. When we are living a life relying on God's promises, we can stand confidently on his word. We can stand on all that he has given us. There was a tree in my grandmother's backyard. There was a storm that came through. And it blew the tree over to the part where the tree was leaning. But the tree did not die. The reason that the tree did not die is because the roots were still holding strong. And the roots were holding strong on the ground. And that tree began to lean, but the tree still held itself in place. And, and before the storm came, we, continue, we, were, we used to play in that tree, Brother Jesse. We used to climb up the tree, jump down. We did, did a whole bunch of stuff. But after the tree was blown to the side, we kept playing on that tree. We kept playing on that tree because it was still rooted and grounded. Sometimes in life, you have to stand on leaning things. You have to stand on things that appear to be broken. 
That's how things can look like sometimes with God's promises. Sometimes it seems like God has broken his promise. It looks like God has sown us or sold us a bad bill of goods. And it looks like the whole situation is leaning, but you can still stand on the promises of God. Because God is rooted. God is grounded and he always keeps his promises. See, there's a song that says, what a fellowship. What a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. You can lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus today. So we can cry out to God because we know him and we can stand on his promises because they are true. And then we can exercise our faith because God has it all in control. Then the word of God says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. Or some of you all might be familiar with the translation that says, write the vision and make it plain. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, meaning that the revelation will happen at some point. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, meaning that The revelation is true. The revelation will happen because God's promises are true. And though it linger, you're going to have to wait. While you're waiting, you're going to have to be faithful. Wait for it. For it will certainly come and will not delay. Look at the enemy. Look, they are puffed up. His desires are not right, but the righteous person will live by faithfulness. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteousness will live by faith. God is going to take care of our enemies. God is going to take care of their plans. God sees their plan. We have challenges with our faith because we have to ask, what are we chasing? There was a wise old man that had a dog. And he was an old hermit that lived up in the mountains. And one day, a rabbit went running by. And the dog began to chase behind the rabbit. And as the dog was frantically chasing the rabbits, other dogs saw the other dog running. What's going on? We're going to run behind him. And so another dog joins in. Then there's two, three... Finally, there's a whole pack of dogs running, chasing down behind the one dog. But as they began to run, they began to drop off. People began to get tired. The dogs began to get tired, but that one up front, he's still chasing that rabbit. After a while, the one dog was left because all the others had dropped off. What's the lesson here? Oh, bless you, my sister. There was only one dog that saw the rabbit. Everybody else was running behind who was chasing the rabbit. If you haven't had a God experience, if you haven't seen God for yourself, you will get tired and weary and jump out of the race. 
So I encourage you today, you have to seek after God and not seek after people that are running after God. Are you chasing the rabbit? Or are you chasing dogs? So the word of God tells us that we have to have faith. The word of God tells us about mustard seed faith. Now, one thing that had always gotten me about mustard seed faith is when I heard about it. When you read the scripture, it says you just have to have mustard seed. Can I see that? You have to have, thank you, my sister. You just, oh my goodness, first thing we have to, you could. <laughs> a mustard seed is very, very tiny. So when you talk about mustard seed faith, from face value, you say, oh, all that means is I just got to have a little teeny bit of faith. All I got to do is believe a little bit and God can do the race. No, it does not mean that. Oh, yeah, what? <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean, just look at this. You can't see it. You think this is what God wants you to do? To have this doesn't make sense, does it? But prosperity theology tells us that. Ah, okay. Oh, you just do a little bit. God will do the rest. Sow a seed. Oh, that's a different sermon, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm going to get up. <laughs> Just do a little teeny bit. Mustard seed, thank you, my sister. Mustard seed faith means this. Well, let me tell you about the mustard seed. I had to do a little research. <clears throat> mustard seeds are found in various locations throughout the world. Even though the seeds are small, mustard seed plants can grow to be 20 feet tall and 20 feet wide. They can grow in dry climates. They can grow in sandy soil. They can grow in hot weather, dry weather, cool weather. When times get tough, mustard seeds are there. When times are good, mustard seeds are there. And even if the tree is cut down, the roots can grow back. That is mustard seed faith. The mustard seed is drought tolerant. When you have mustard seed faith, you have enduring faith. When you have mustard seed faith, you have faith that has great expectations. All you have to do is talk to the mustard seed. Well, the mustard seed can tell you, well, all I have to do was look what God did for my grandmama. All I have to do was look what God did for my grandpappy. All I have to do is look at what God, how God has kept me through. And do you see that big tree over there? I'm going to look like that one day. I have great expectations. Mustard seed faith has great expectations. So if you are going to have mustard seed faith, you have to be able to see what God sees. Can you see? Metropolitan, can you see what I see? Do you have that mustard seed faith? So as the greyhounds went back into the huddle, they decided they're going to go for it. They were at the 40-yard line headed toward the end zone, and the quarterback gets and says, hey, bro, man, this hurt. I need the backs to go. He's going to send everybody... 
I'm going to send everybody to the Israel. I'm going to throw the Hail Mary up. He ain't going to be back there. One of y'all catch it. So he gets down, hikes the ball. He goes back. He goes back. He goes back. And he throws. The ball sails through the air. Wide receiver catches the ball and drops it. They lose the game. Pastor, that wasn't supposed to end like that. <laughs> so as they walked off the field, we've been cheated. We've been beat up. Lord, do you not hear me crying, Lord? What's going on? They bought off the referees. But on Monday morning, Got back to school. Their star player over the weekend had got arrested for drug possession. But that wasn't the real issue. As they began to investigate, they found out that he was using a false address. And under the Virginia High School League rules, that team had to forfeit all of their games. They win. They win because the enemy got disqualified. As you are going through life, you see, Jesus has already gone to hell and took the, the, the keys of death from the devil. The devil is already defeated. The devil has already been disqualified. So as you go out on the field, you just know that you've already won. Don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout now because you know that you've already won the enemy. Even though the victory might not happen when you want it to, God is still in control. God still knows. God is controlling the playbook. You see, because we like to get caught up on what's happening on the field. We like to get caught up in the whole thing of, oh, the referees are not calling. See, but there was a higher authority than the referees. God is a higher authority than what's happening. God is a higher authority than 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And just know that he's in control. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about what's going on. God is going to fix it because the enemy has already been disqualified. So know that we can cry out to God because we know him. We can stand on God's promises because they are true. And we can exercise our faith. See, even even Jesus, when he was on the way to the cross, Jesus prayed a prayer that God did not answer. He said, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Jesus knows about prayers that that, that God doesn't answer. But nevertheless, he says, not my will. Lord, but your will be done. And even with with the, the, the mustard seed, in order for that mustard seed to grow to be that big plant, at some point, 
that seed has to die. In order for us to have faith, we have to die to ourselves. And when things don't look good, we know that we can trust in the Lord because he has it all the control. Jesus came down through 40 and two generations and he walked on this earth. He turned water into wine. He fed 2,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. But then he was placed on the cross between two thieves and he died. But on the third day, after a while, let me pause here. Jesus told the people, I'm going to come out of that grave. When they put him in that grave on day one, on Friday, everybody was expecting him to get up on Saturday. We're so used to the three days. Do you realize how long three days is? When your Savior said, I'm going to get up, your Savior's supposed to be all-powerful? He's supposed to get up on Saturday. Day one in the grave. Day two in the grave. Day three, he arose. God is not going to always answer when you want him to. But they had faith. They had patience. And they prayed. And then on the third day, (laughs) on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands because they were faithful. And Jesus was all powerful. So I say today, continue to allow God to use you in your life. Cry out to God. Know that he will answer. Stand on his promises. And exercise your faith because we know that in the end you're going to win and God's in control. And the people of God said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church and ministries, please visit our website at www.metroumcindianhead.com. Until next time, peace and blessings.